Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benino. Today I have with me somebody else who has a story to tell regarding surviving a critical incident. She is a member of our Street Cop Survivors Club. If you're a police officer who was involved in something major and traumatic, um, we have a survivors group on Facebook that you're more than welcome to join to find support from other people who were injured severely in the line of duty. Um, and I think everybody there is very, very happy that the group exists. And we're glad to have put that on. The inception of that started in October of 21. It was an idea that I conjured up while we were at the conference in Atlantic City honoring our significantly injured men and women uh, who wear this uniform every single day. So without further ado, we have Dawn Miller, who is going to tell her story, wearing the blue shirt, representing the the company well. <laughs> That that was purely coincidental, but we'll go we'll go with it. <laughs> so, Dawn, give me the uh, one minute bio and who you are, and then we can go into what happens. Okay. Um, gosh, I've been on the Lexington Police Department for a little over five years now. Um, I made this career change late in life. Before this, I'd worked in office settings as an office manager, so it's complete different lifestyle change for me. But I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. So you're still working, right? No, I haven't worked in the last, uh, it's a little over a year now. Give us the incident details as to what brought you into the Street Cop Survival Club and and uh, what led you to be on this podcast today. Okay. Um, I work second shift, so 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, I at the time last year was doing a lot of beat staffing. So picking up all sorts of overtime shifts. Um, I, I remember I was headed home. It was about a little after one thirty in the morning. And all I was focused on was I need to get home because I need to make sure I can get right into bed and get right to sleep so that I can get up and start the overtime shift the next morning at 8 AM. <laughs> um, so unbeknownst to me, um, there started coming in about 136 calls of a wrong way driver on a limited access highway we have here, New Circle Road. Um, those, they were reporting she was driving quickly, um, probably well over 70 miles an hour. The speed limit on that road's 55. Um, I was still on my my sector's channel, which was central sector. Um, so I wasn't hearing any of this. Um, and pretty much what I remember is seeing headlights coming at me and immediately thinking, is that my side or the other side? And after that, it's just feelings. I, I remember feeling panic and then intense pain. Um, they... they later figured out that the last couple seconds I did apply the brakes. Um, so I, I I was not going the speed limit. I'll be blatantly honest because I was, I was ready to go home. Um, so I I managed to drop my speed by 20 miles an hour at least. Um, but we struck, It, it wasn't directly head on. It was, and that's probably part of what saved me was it was more driver side to driver side. Um, so 
Was it was that the wrong way driver that that yes. struck you? Yeah, and you had no idea. So I'm I'm assuming that in Let's Lexington, everybody's working on different sector radio channels because of the amount of call volume and officers you guys must have in the field, right? You would just have too much radio confusion on. on. Is there any yeah. time where they where they cross over and give one hundred percent broadcast on all four channels? I, I don't believe so. I didn't hear it at least if they did. Um, but I, I was just, I think I was just too keyed into it's go home time. I need to go home. <laughs> yeah. And yet, were you just like overworked and exhausted from having to work all this overtime? Well, I don't, ha- I didn't have to work the overtime I was choosing to, I'd bought a new house a couple years ago. So I was wanting to do all these upgrades to it. So I was trying to work all the overtime I could to make that extra money to get some projects done. Um, so it was absolutely not the department at all. It was, that was totally me. Um, yeah. So after the crash occurred, then, then what happened? Tell me about the, the, the aftermath of that. Okay. Um, I, so a lot of what, a, the information I have is gleaned from everyone else because I don't remember most of it. Um, I do remember they would tell me, you said this, or you said that. And then once they said that, I'd be like, oh, I remember saying that. Like, I remember saying, get me out, get me out over and over and over again. Were you pinned? Yeah. Um, my legs were basically just smashed in. Um, it was, yeah, I, I couldn't move at all. Um, I also had lots of police and fire later telling me if it'd been any other officer, anybody, any bigger that they, they wouldn't have survived that. Wow. Uh, so it, it was, it was difficult that they got the other driver out and took her to the hospital. Um, she started coding on the way to the hospital. Oh. And then I think by the time they got her into surgery, she, she didn't make it. So she passed away. Um, was she intoxicated? It, she, yes, she had alcohol, benzos, cocaine, Xanax. Um, she wasn't feeling a whole lot, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're- so wrong way driver, one thirty six in the morning, comes down, kills herself, it smashes into you. Yes, sir. What was the um, medical procedures? You were obviously cut out of the car. Were you driven or flown to a trauma center? Um, it took them, they said it took them over 30 minutes to cut me out of the car. They had to cut and cut off all the doors. Um, they, one of the, the awesome thing is one of our first officers that was on scene is an army, I believe army medic. So he immediately started doing all of that stuff before fire even made it there. Um, they said he rode with me in the ambulance. He said he was the one that started the IV on me in the ambulance. Wow. Uh, so did they you were, know him? Uh, I'm sure I've met him, but he worked a different sector. So I didn't know him, know him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I had, gosh, as far as injuries. <laughs> so I, because of how it crushed in on me, it broke the the right tibia and fibula and shattered that ankle. Um, other ones on the right, the right 
forearm and wrist. Um, my left pelvis was broken where they said, and I'm assuming it's because I'm, I'm kind of weird in that I drive with two feet. (laughs) I've always been like that. (laughs) That's the type of person that when I'm driving with them, I want to kill you. (laughs) I don't, I don't know why I do it. It's just, I had a kid that I used to work with this guy, Chris, great guy. And he's driving two feet. I, I, I was the more senior guy and he used to, we used to have a, a good, you know, rapport together. And I would say to him, like, we'd be at the red lights, and I could hear him revving the engine and then letting off the brake. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like, I, like, <laughs> the, you are driving me crazy with this, yeah, 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 like, you know, going back and forth. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm not that driver. I'm, I'm, most people wouldn't be able to tell unless I actually, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming that's why the left leg, um, because I had slammed on the brakes that leg got jammed Oof. up to the pelvis. And so it shattered the pelvis. And wow. they said, um, when they got me to the hospital, that leg was several inches shorter than the other leg because it got pushed up so hard. Wow. Um, You're still living with that today. You have a shorter leg now. Um, no, because I've had hip surgery. So they lengthened it during that. So that was helpful. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, what else? Broke seven ribs, uh, the clavicle I had severe lacerations on this arm, the left arm. Um, what? There, there was just so many, so many injuries. And then there was chest contusions. There's pulmonary lacerations. Um, my carotid artery on both sides apparently was lacerated on both sides. So they had to be careful because of that. And then I just jump in here real quick, Dawn, and say that you were humble enough to say that you don't think that the injuries or the, the circumstances that you are discussing on this podcast would be in comparison to some of the other people who have been on this podcast. Um, are, are you fucking crazy? Like, do you realize <laughs> that there are people who have, who were shot that didn't sustain the kind of injuries that you sustained? You know, I always find it remarkable and interesting that um, how we as police officers quantify somebody's injuries or maybe even a in the line of duty death based on the romance behind how it occurred. And this is fucked up. But let me tell you, this is the truth. In the state of New Jersey, I've been to plenty of police funerals. Depending on how you are killed will be the variable of how many people actually show up. Isn't that fucking crazy? I'm not, not really. making that up. People will equate this gun battle to being this romantic and they'll honor. And then like, if there's a significant crash, I'm telling you it's half the crowd. Right. And like, why is one more, you know, significant than the other? I've always said that. I don't get why I, I we had a couple happen right in a row years and years and years ago. And I'm like, how is this guy's funeral services so different than last month's where the guy was shot? Why was there 30,000 cops at this one? And there's a thousand cops at this one, you know? So I said, I just found it so interesting how this human psyche thinks or people put this. So don't, you know, listen, you were out there doing a law enforcement job and, you know, you 100% put your life on the line. And I don't know if it's ever dawned on you. I'm sure it has, but like it was going to happen to somebody else. You probably saved somebody's life that night. You're paying with pain, but don't forget there might have been somebody whose wife is spared because of what you what you did. 
You know what I mean? Even if it was unbeknownst, it was obviously for a reason, because I think when we take this job, we're all feeling like we're chosen, right? So I, I don't want to try to not have compassion and empathy for the the life that you live now, which I'm sure is a fucking painful one. But like, I want you to think about the story you're telling yourself. And the only reason I bring it up is because you kind of told us that story before we got here. You're doing it in a Facebook group. And it's a real story. Like, if you think for a second that you're not a hero, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, that's the truth. And you've got to stop telling yourself that you're not, that you were a victim of circumstances. Uh, Dawn, you were out there at 136 in the morning as a police officer when the the likelihood of somebody driving intoxicated was high. So yeah, you put your life on the line and don't don't tell yourself another story. That's how exactly how I see it. And I promise you the other 115 people that are part of that group, they see it the same way. It's it's definitely been something that I've struggled with. I've always been very hard on myself and take all kinds of blame that I don't necessarily need to most of the time. So that's that's been something I've been working through. Um, Are you seeing, um, and I, I don't, you don't have to answer this, but like, have you been seeking additional, uh, help oh, ab- like psychotherapy yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Because Do you the- feel like your therapists have been good or you feel like you're getting, you've come across some shitty ones. I, some of them are more, more qualified, I think, to be assisting with PTSD and this type of a career choice than other ones. Not I'll right. leave it. I think that they because I've seen three different ones in the last year and this, the current one is fabulous and she's actually employed by the city. So we get to see her for free and she's amazing. It's great. So I love that our city does that. You get the point here is what I'm trying to dig at is here is somebody who needed something and you're actually brazen enough and aware enough to know that you had to move on to the next one to get the, the help that you actually needed. It's no yeah. different than medical help. Um, somebody in here, my office was talking about yesterday about, Oh, one of the girls, her boyfriends was talking about he needed back surgery. I go, you know, you got to get seven, eight opinions on that before you go ahead with a back surgery. And my knees are bad, right? I've had surgeries on my knees. I had, I, that's how I ended up uh, leaving law enforcement is I sustained an injury. Mine's very unromantic compared to yours. I had to have a couple of knee surgeries and my just, I have, I have literally bone on bone in my left knee now from all the, they had to shave all the cartilage off and all this other stuff. So I'm bone on bone. So Yesterday it was raining. I had to get my garbage cans across my grass. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's fucking raining, right? And I'm like, holy Christ, I can't run at all, right? Yeah. So that's just, you look at me like, ah, this guy's like, looks like he's in shape. He's physically fit. Like, but I can't run. Like, I'm not making that up. That's, that's, a, that's all my, you, you know, but I, 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 I want to emphasize to people that if you don't feel like you're getting the medical or mental attention that you need, the correct help, Take it from Dawn. I mean, she went and saw three different people and landed on somebody she absolutely loves. And I want to encourage people. So we take a point from this and, and do it with that. But anyway, I don't want to interrupt your story anymore. I'm very captivated by it. I'd like to hear about the rest of it. And, you know, what was rehab like? How long were you in the hospital for? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> so I was in the hospital. They took me we've got a trauma hospital here in Lexington. So they took me right there. Um, Didn't we talk later on you and I, was that you and me? I remember reading about your article now that you're talking more about it. And I'm sure that we shared it because it was shared on social media. Have we talked before this this podcast? 
think so, but I my memory seems to have been a lot worse this year than previous years, so it's entirely possible, and I just forgot. <laughs> that's is that's a result of the uh, the impact of the crash. Uh, I'd like to blame it on all of that. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't have a fantastic memory before this. My friends tell me. <laughs> But now it's, I think, um, all of the surgery, so many different surgeries and you get that much anesthesia in your body. They said it, it, it takes a long time for that to get back out again. So I think that that really affects the brain and how you process and think. I mean, let's face facts. One, it's a blessing that you're here. And two, it's a blessing that you're having a the ability and cognitive ability to have a very, very intelligent conversation. So there's a detriment to some of the circumstances, but you're alive. You know what I mean? Like you get to be part of this life more because you got a second chance, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah, those, those first two weeks in the hospital, um, the first two days, I guess they had, they did multiple surgeries, um, they said the second day, one of my friends, Steve Cobb, who is an exceptional officer, um, he he was in there talking to me, and I guess I sounded weird, and so he notified the staff, and turns out I'd had a stroke after oh, that second day of surgeries. Um, thankfully, I don't have any lasting effects from that, and I'm so grateful for that because I know it could have turned out differently. Um, and then... Over the next two weeks, I had several more surgeries. Um, wow. Same hospital? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess and they were they, qualified to do the work there. Yes. And they were fabulous. They they let an officer stay with me 24-7. Um, my family all lives in Illinois. I'm not super close to them. My mom came down, but yeah. Just Dawn, you're talking to somebody who we just had this conversation earlier, Hannah Landmesser slash Heyman. Landmesser is uh, her married name, is our in house clinician. Right next door, she's doing work with some of our staff. And we talked about this because she asked me about Easter. So listen, she said, you know, it's so comical that people, and she's a she's like a therapist, right? That people are under this stigma, like family, blah, 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 family first, family this, family's everything. Like, yeah, unless your family's fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I completely have complete compassion, uh, over the past couple of years of my life, I have lived much of this, of what you're saying. And you don't have to try to explain to me that because I know what it's like to say to somebody like, yeah, I know it sounds weird, but I'm not close with my family, right? Sure. It sounds weird to most people because people have good relationships with their family, but there are people out there who. How about this? Just thank God for great friends. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, the best I, part about having friends, you can just pick them. And if they suck, you just move along and find good or better ones. Like, and you don't have to like see them at fucking Christmas unless you want to. And you can say, I'll see you at Christmas. So yeah. great friends are better than shitty family. That's for sure. Exactly. There. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I just can't say enough about how our hospital staff, our community, the police department, um, the mayor, I guess, came in to see me. I, I don't remember most of that. She said we had a conversation. I'm like, no memory of that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's anything embarrassing. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah. Once, so I was there for two weeks. And then after that, um, they moved me by ambulance to our rehab hospital here in town. And so then I was there for about a month. Um, and that, that was stinking hard. Cause I think the first two weeks I was so full of pain relievers that I, I wasn't fully grasping what was going on or I, I kind of felt like, Oh, you know, I, I broke something and I'm going to get to go home soon. But then a month and a half later and I'm still not home. And uh, it, it was, it was very hard because it's just me and my dog. And thankfully my friends took my dog and good. I was going to ask you that who took care of the house and the animals. <laughs> um, some of my good friends, I had told them, gosh, for as long as I know him, if anything ever happens to me, come get my dog. Cause he's, I adore that little guy. <laughs> and then while I was in rehab, some officers and fire department and community contractors started working on my house because wow. I, they knew I wasn't going to be able to walk for quite a while. Um, so they enlarged doorways and redid my bathroom and did some other projects that needed to be done. And it, I, I was a community project essentially. <laughs> You're blessed. Yes, very much. Like I I'm so incredibly blessed by my city, my neighbors, my department. Like I, it's been very eye opening to get to see how many people care. It's a common theme we hear from a lot of people who've been through something very traumatic, um, especially in the in the course of their duties. So, you know, it's a reminder to everybody that, you know, there are a lot more people that love the police and care about you as a human being than there are that don't. But often we see in our Facebook feeds and in our Instagram feeds and in in any kind of news networks that that's not true. But the truth of the matter is, and I think even more than ever, people really have a lot of compassion for the police now after, especially if the past few years that the world has put these poor men and women through. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy. And it solidifies my position on what I believe for here. That's for me to hear that story from you. So fast forward, when did you actually get to go home? Um, once I was released from the rehab hospital, they workers comp knew that I couldn't go home at that point because my house just wasn't ready yet. And so they had talked about putting me into assisted living or a nursing home. And thankfully my buddy, Steve again, popped up and he and some of the other detectives worked um, together and got workers comp to agree to put me up at a hotel downtown near headquarters. So the room was handicap accessible. I was still in the wheelchair, but I could navigate it well on my own. Mm. Uh, so I was down there a couple months. Um, what was the mental torture like to be confined like that, feeling like you're trapped? It's given me a lot of compassion for people who spend their lives in a wheelchair because the world is not made for it. Wow. Um, very I, interesting. I very frustrated because if I would try to go do something by myself, you can't reach it or you can't get through a doorway because it's not handicap accessible or so it, it was difficult mm. and just being uh, on one hand, I, I loved being in the hotel room because I was finally away from everyone else and there wasn't a nurse popping in to check on me 
all the time. And I had some, some private life again, but it was, I think that's when it really started to sink in, um, what had happened and it, it the PTSD kind of started then. Um, anytime I would try to go to sleep, I, I'd turn off the light and the darkness and I would immediately see how headlights coming at me. Um, wow. So it, it's real. It was, yeah. Yeah. It, it was excruciating for quite a while. What has been the best solution to try to mitigate that? Um, I, I started antidepressants. Um, I've got exceptional friends that checked in on me constantly that could kind of read my moods and see what was going on and would push me if they needed to push me and would back off if they needed to. Um, the counseling helped as well immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have you, have you tried like meditation or anything like that yet? I have, I've started meditating. I've started, I've started using Noom as well to keep track of food and eat healthier and lose a little weight. And just, I'm, I'm trying to do whatever I can to live a healthier, more wholesome life so that I'm happier long-term. I, I don't want to compare you and I, because obviously you are significantly much more of a superb and outstanding human being than I am. How the fuck I compare myself to you? No, for real. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I recently for the first time ever started actually understanding food and it's a book that I'm going to share. It's called two meals a day by Mark Sissom. Um, and it was this simple change that I made where I'm like 40 years. Nobody told me this, you know, I'm getting prepped meals and, and I'm getting brown rice in them. And I'm like, why is nothing changing? So one thing that I've done that I'll pass along to you, maybe it'll help you is no sugars, no processed foods and meats. Or minimally processed meats, but not no like lunch meats or anything like that, and uh, no carbohydrates. So, yeah, but it's not as difficult as you think it is because you can. It almost feels like a keto type of thing, but yeah, you can eat like if you like steaks and stuff. Like fatty steaks are real good. And I got to tell you, one of the girls in the office here is doing the same thing with me, and she's like, "I, I we were talking yesterday." She goes, "I've never." She's twenty one. She's like, "I've never felt better in my life." the energy that I have, the, like how I feel uh, like self-consciously. So it's a really good book. I'll have to check that out. It's cool. And like, you know, I don't know if you like eggs, but like eggs are a big part of the diet. You can do a lot of things with eggs. Like I'll make an egg omelet with, but I won't put like bacon in it. You know, bacon's obviously processed meats. Um, and, and a lot of these decisions come from, I have three friends, uh, one who has finished a bout with cancer, colon cancer, one who, and two other ones who are constantly in treatment and they're younger than I am and they have colon cancer. And my one friend has told me that she believes it was due to processed meats. So I pass that along, not to terrify people, to people who want to get healthy, hearing some of this stuff. It's amazing what the simple fixes are. And you can, if you actually Google Mark Sissom, he's uh, 71 now and he looks like he's 51. That's like amazing. the guy's shredded, like he's way better looking than all of us. And he's 71. Like he's got like a 12 pack. It's wild. <laughs> and he said his life changed at 47 when he, when he gave up grains or he stopped eating any kind of no brown, all this brown rice and all this shit. This is, this is not good stuff for you. It's really bad yeah. for you actually. Yeah. So it's making us sick. So you might actually feel like, um, 
that these these uh, fatty foods that essentially we go back to this kind of uh, survivors. I don't know what they call it, like a like a meat eating diet. Um, I don't know if you're a vegetarian or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it acts like a lubricant for all these all these and like anti-inflammatory. I guess as essentially when you're when you're that injured, you've got to consider anti-inflammatory types of foods make you feel yourself feel better. Maybe I'm stepping out of bounds. I don't fucking know. No, no. I I will take all the help I can get. <laughs> Check that book out. It's Two Meals a Day by Mark Sisson. You could follow him on Instagram. And I don't okay. know the guy. Maybe one day I'll get to say hello and take a picture with him. But uh, I found the book to be one of the most helpful books. And I read books nonstop that I've, that I've come across because I'm like, I can't believe it took me 40 years and nobody ever told me. Like, And it sounds so silly. Like, you didn't know you shouldn't do that? Like, no, I fucking didn't know I can't eat a roll with dinner. You know, I didn't know I shouldn't be eating bacon. What'd you say? They're so delicious, though. <laughs> but once you get into it, like you'll actually find yourself. You think that's bad. You don't. You were in Louisville. Were you Louisville, Kentucky? You said Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Like the pizza here is unbelievable. Uh, but I've actually controlled myself where I'm like, I see it. I know what it's going to make me feel like if I eat it. And I just ignore it, you know? Yeah. I'm just feeling so good. I don't want to disrupt that at all. But there are a lot of cool hacks that you you will find in a book like that that'll make you feel better. Then again, it's not just a conversation for you and I. I'm saying this because we do have all these people that subscribe to this podcast. And uh, maybe it's valuable for them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. What does life look like for you now? What kind of continued pain are you in? Things like that. Well, um, once I was finally able to come home, I, I was, I believe at that point I was using a walker to get around. Um, I basically had to learn how to walk all over again because both sides of the body body were messed up. Um, but that was, and that, that's something I will never, ever take for granted again, being able to walk. I mean, just to stand up and move by yourself. It's, it's incredible. Um, so I came home, started working on getting my house back in order again. Uh, I ended up falling in my garage at one point. <laughs> Shit. Broke another bone in my hand. Whoa. <laughs> I was just like, no, no, I didn't. That didn't happen. <laughs> oh, shit, Dawn. <laughs> um, so... And then at that point, the more I, I was working, I was doing PT, going twice a, a week and then doing it on my own several times a day. Um, but my hip just kind of, it got to a point where it was doing really well. And then it started to deteriorate again. Um, and like you said, I, I went and got a second opinion. Um, it was November 1st, I got a steroid shot in the hip and then November 2nd, uh, my trauma surgeon said, eh, you're probably going to need a hip replacement. And I uh, saw hip specialist right after him. And he was like, yeah, you'll need a floor replacement, but so we, you got to get one. Oh, I've, I've gotten it. It's fabulous. Oh, good for you. Yeah. It's, it was a life changer because like it, it was bone on bone grinding before every Jeez. time people don't realize how much that fucking sucks. Oh, it's awful. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, the next day when I got up after the hip surgery, they had me walking down the hall and I was like, it's gone. That pain is gone. Wow. Good for you. So that was glorious. Just glorious. Man, there's got to be a lot of credit given to you. Somebody who is essentially by yourself with just some friends helping you and 
going through this. What a, what a difficult, like good for fucking you. You know what I mean? Like good for you. Like don't ever discount the resiliency that's built into your soul. And uh, you know, it's, it's very impressive just so you know. Well, thank you. I mean, I couldn't have done it without all these other people supporting me and encouraging me. You probably could have because you're just that kind of person. I don't know. Sometimes I get in my feelings and <laughs> that's where my friends have to be like, you need to suck it up right now and push on. <laughs> and you're doing a great job. I think you've learned a lot and you, I think you're, you're a great example for probably a lot of people. I sure hope so. Well, there's no question about it. So there's these blessing in disguise out of these traumatic incidents. And I think you being the example, you even taken the time to come on this podcast and tell us your story. This may resonate with somebody. We hear this all the time. I heard her when I when it happened to me. I knew what my journey was going to be because Dawn talked about it in that one podcast episode. It's important stuff. I like so. you're sharing this stuff for sure. I mean, there. Uh, I th- this past year, it it was it was just so hard mentally um, to be in pain every day like that, and mm-hmm. it got to a point where I was just focused on I just have to make it through one more day. I just have to make it through one more day. And I kind of kept that, that mindset going plus counseling and all these other things to help. But that kind of is really what saw me through is you just have to keep at it. You can't just quit. Once one, listen, I, I say to people all the time, like life has different stories for everybody. They got this thing called life has different rules for everybody. Different things are going to happen, but one thing is if you live a life, you are never going to be absolved from experiencing the shittiest stuff that life's going to throw at you. And sometimes the answer is just one foot in front of the other. Just yep. make it to the room, make it to the bathroom. You're done with the bathroom, make it here. You got to go do this, go go do that. Just one thing in front of the other. And and I got to tell you, I've, I've been through things. I think everybody, nobody has not been through things. People sometimes look at what we're doing as a company or me um, and think that I don't have problems. Uh, I got a million problems like everybody else. Like, yeah, everybody fucking free pass because of what? Cause I'm, cause we're building a good company that's changing law enforcement and we have success. Like, what do you think my fucking problems go out the window? No, they're fucking, they're, they're 20 times more problems now. You know, that's how it is. So people, yeah. uh, everybody's got them. One thing I wanted to say before was we have a woman coming on next week who I actually learned meditation from. She wrote a book called Stress Less, Accomplish More. Her name's Emily Fletcher. And I think if you wanted to get into her online Ziva meditation program, the reason I promote her is because I know two and a half years ago, she was giving it for free to law enforcement. Um, if she's not anymore, I don't know if she is. We'll find out next week when we have her on. I'm sure that she would... 100% say to you, Hey, I would love for you to have it. Um, yeah. so, so check out Ziva meditation. Um, okay. because I believe in what she does. I've been meditating for about two and a half years now. And it is one of those things that has really had impact on my anxiety. And I don't have a lot of anxiety, but like things that would typically maybe even excitement, right? Like I'm going out, I'm getting somewhere. I've been waiting for three weeks to go here. It doesn't do anything to my body anymore. I can acknowledge it in my brain, but there's no heart racing or anything like that because of this constant meditation practice. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
you know, people say, you know, how long does it take before you start seeing impact and on meditation practice? Like, like anything else, man, diet, exercise, you got to stick to it. Yeah. Got to make it a priority in your day. So I do the first thing that I wake up every morning is I meditate first thing. I started using it. Well, I started using an app to kind of teach me how to do it because I was just struggling to sleep. So that, that did help significantly. And like, I've just started driving again. And that gives me a lot of anxiety just because I feel like everybody wants to hit me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine Dawn, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's, I did med- like before I drove yesterday, I did some meditation because I, I knew that I was just a ball of anxiety getting in that vehicle again. If you get back with me next week, I'm going to ask her that question. Is she still doing that? So if she's on podcast, Frankie, what day is she on a podcast? Monday, the 25th. She'll be on. So this is this Monday. Um, just DM me, you know where to find me. Cause I'm in the group, right? Just DM me and say, um, or you have Frank, whatever you have our phone numbers, you know, we're always a resource for you, whatever we can do for you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll mention it to her about what's, what is she doing? Now? I don't want to say that she's still doing it and she's not. And then like she puts on, she's a wonderful woman, a very, very impactful on, on the world. There's no question about it. I'm very excited to have her on the podcast, but I can't emphasize that it, it, it is a tremendous help. And actually some of the things that I've been put through over the past 16 months of my life, which are very, very difficult to experience. Had I not been meditating, I might've been very, very different in how I reacted to a lot of things that happened in my life. Yeah. So um, really important stuff. As a matter of fact, you, you can even go on YouTube when we get off of here and put in Ziva meditation and you'll get to meet Emily on her videos. And she's just an enchanting person. I'll do that. I'll look her up. Yeah. You get the book, you got the meditating. I have a couple more questions uh, before I let you go. What are things that you have to continue to deal with now that you didn't have to before currently at this point in your life that has changed? Um, other than the 90 things you already named, is there anything that you just like, you're like, fuck, right? Like, what? Like, this is so annoying. I, so in group settings, I tend to like to stay uh, to the back. I, I'm not usually the, the main speaker or the person who wants to be at the center of attention. Um, and this everybody here knows what happened. It was all over the news. It was all over social media. Um, so now instead of people introducing me as this is my friend Dawn, she's a police officer. It's now, this is my friend Dawn. And she was that police officer that got hit in that head on on news circle last year. Do you remember that? She should have died. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> and then the I, questions come, right? Yes. And I appreciate their sentiment. Everyone is always very concerned, um, very willing to say, I pray for you. I pray for you all the time. And, but uh, I look forward to normal. Yes. I look forward to just being a person, not being identified with that all the time. I hang out with Josh Fidel. Do you know Josh is in our group? Uh, No, sir. Okay. So Josh was shot in the head in Atlantic city. Uh, during a botched, a botched armed robbery. And I do this to him. I'm going to stop doing this to him because I, th- the reason I do it is because I feel like he should be acknowledged 
Like we'll go somewhere. It's like a police event. And people are like, oh my God, it's fucking Medina. Like, holy shit, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, you realize this dude over here got shot in the fucking head, right? And like, if you want a picture with anybody, this is the guy who you, and he works the company now. He's a full-time job here. I love him to death. He's my pal. Um, he's completely out of his fucking mind. And I, I guess mean that <laughs> hypothetically and literally speaking. Um, uh, when he's not here, I miss him. But I do that to him a lot. I'm like, hey, it's Josh Fidel. Like the guy, I'm like, who? And I'm like, boy, the irony of, of him not being acknowledged constantly for his sacrifice. He's got run through a lot and lost half his fucking brain. Um, but I'm going to ask him if he's okay with me saying that because I don't know if I'm embarrassing him. I do that. I always do that shit to him. It, he might be perfectly fine with it. it I'm going to ask be- him. I never thought of it. You know, I got to, I'm going to ask him now. Or yeah. do, Jesse Hartnett was the Philadelphia police officer. You ever see that video where the guy runs up the car and starts firing rounds to his car? Yeah. Another Terrible. really good friend of mine. Like, I love the guy. Like, real glow. I'm, I'm just so thankful that he's my friend. Uh, I do it to him too. Because I just feel like they don't get the acknowledgement they deserve. Yeah. And, you know, people kind of fall off the map after so many years. The good news for you, Dawn, is if that's what you're looking for, it happens. And you could see it with these guys and girls in this group who were talking about it and saying, yeah, like, what do you do when you're not getting recognized anymore? And there's no recognition. People have forgotten about what you've been through. I mean, I personally look forward to it. I look forward to it. I'm, I'm still hopeful that I can get back to policing. Um, I'm... I'm working on walking correctly. Um, the limp is almost gone. So I'm getting closer to going back on modified duty, I hope. Um, but can I just say this? If yeah. you don't, that means God had a different path for you, just so you know. I was significantly less injured than you were. And the doctor told me, you're not going back, just so you know. This is going to be it. And I'm like, I don't, their needs. He's like, yeah, yeah. You, you, their knees. You think they're just knees. You can't put a 40 pound belt on and run around the jump fences anymore. You're going to fall down everything you do. You're going to have pivoting movements after the surgery. You're not going to do things like that. It's dangerous. Uh, and again, I'm not comparing mine to yours, but you know, I, I, that was just God's plan. And here we are having significantly more impact on the world doing what we're doing now. It was God's yeah. plan. So if it doesn't happen, don't hang your whole hat on them. Put all your eggs in one basket. That means that you were just meant to do something else. Absolutely. And I think you're doing great things. I think that, you know, always trying to tell your story, provide support to others is, is more than enough, you know? Yeah, for sure. I have one more question for you. Sure. Actually, it's kind of a two-part question. Do you think there were any lessons learned prior to the crash or upon the crash or the impact? Anything that you can give advice that maybe you would have done differently or anything that you've thought about that you wanted to pass along where somebody could learn from? Um, I think for me at that time, I was so focused on working as much overtime as I could to make as much money as I could that I, I, I don't know that it was healthy. I don't think I was living a very healthy lifestyle. Um, because I, I was just doing too much and I didn't have a personal life. So I, I would say try to keep that, that work life, personal life balance because it, it benefits you in all aspects. Um, what else? Probably. 
I think I was probably a little guilty of on my way home that night. I just was focused on going home. I wasn't really thinking about much else besides that. So just staying aware, even when it's go home time. Mm. Very, very, very good advice. I'm actually pleasantly surprised that it was that impactful to give that last line. I think it was the probably one of the most impactful things you've said thus far. Whole story was great, but that was really good. Very, very good. I'm very impressed. And the last one I have for you is how do you like being a part of the Facebook group? Has it helped you at all? Uh, I'm not talking about the one for all of us. I'm saying the, the street cop survivors club. Yeah, that's been wonderful. I think, um, I think it's so important to get connected when you've been through something traumatic to get connected with other people who have also been through traumatic events. <sighs> a quote unquote regular person just can't understand. Um, and so to be part of a group where they have all been through something and they're all officers as well. So they get both aspects of it. Um, it's hugely beneficial. Mm. That's good. I'm glad. I just wanted to make sure that your feedback was good. And I asked that not to fish for compliments because it's associated with our company. It wasn't meant to be a marketing tool. It was meant for police officers like yourself to find other people who have been through the same thing that you've been through. And that feedback, even though I'm not in there a lot, because there's a few reasons. One major one is I feel like I'm an imposer and I'm, I'm, I'm almost acting like I don't like, I feel like I don't belong there, even though I know a lot of you guys come in or people in the group will say like, what do you think we should do with this? Would love to help. And I try to jump in and give a comment if I can to try to help people just because I've dug up so much information between all the people that I've interviewed and met Yeah, that maybe pass that along, but I don't want to feel like an imposter in there. And, um, but I'm glad that you guys are finding value and I, hopefully we can continue to do great things and uh, we'll be calling upon you some point for your help. I promise you that because we're already talking about creating a massive army of people who can help others. I'm I'm down for that. I, I fucking like know you are, Dawn. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. Well, yes, listen. Um, how far is Lexington, Kentucky, from from Nashville, Tennessee? Uh, about three, three and a half hours. Not too far. Okay, so I you're going to come to the conference. It'll be on us. I'll cover your room for the week. Um, we'll 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 honor you with an award because that's what we do. Oh yeah. And, no, we we want to though. Like. That's what we do. We're going to, we always bring 30 police officers in who we feel like deserve to be recognized uh, for the significance of the craziness that they have gone through in a lot of duty. The worst thing is I'm probably this time around going to get 150 applicants. How do you pick who gets a, an award and who doesn't? You know what I mean? So um, I guess I'll just have to hand pick them and you'll be the first person I'm offering to come there uh, on us. It's going to be a great week. Yeah, Nashville. So I got I got the room for you. Um, I got the ticket for you. You obviously come to the event. It's going to be great. And uh, we'll we'll be honoring you. I'll let you know what day it's going to be. But okay. I'll let you know that we appreciate you. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Oh, it's going to be a good fucking time. Like we have, it's going to be a cool ass uh, conference. My last one we did in October 2021. This, so this is 2023, just so you know, it'll be April 23rd to the 28th. We're the 29th okay. of 2023 in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll actually be in Nashville next week uh, going over the the layout at the Gaylord at Opry. So we'd love to have you there. 
And I'm not saying this on this podcast to make people think like, oh, he's such a great guy. Like it's what came to my mind that I want you to be there. And I think you deserve to be there and it'll be good. Like we'll have a good time. Thank you very much. Just make sure that you stay in touch with us and we'll yes, get sir. you set up. So okay. you've got to follow back up with us before that event comes so we can get your room squared away and everything, get you all set up. Sure, sure. Write it in your calendar, Dawn. If you're not there, I'm coming to fucking Lexington <laughs> and I'm going to egg your house. Bring it because we've got a fantastic police department here. <laughs> all right. Listen, I appreciate taking the time to be on our podcast and being part of Street Cop Survivors Club. And uh, I can't thank you enough for your sacrifice. And don't ever downplay the importance of the role you played that night. And you continue to play for everybody as an example. Let that soak in. That's that's real. Like, that's some real shit. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You call me sir again. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to like dog shit on the porch of your house. And you're going to come out with the boots on and stomp it out. <laughs> All right. I will see you. It was a pleasure meeting you. You too. And I'm, we're always available. You need me, reach out. Absolutely. I will. See you later.